On today's episode of All About the Balls podcast, you'll hear our recap of the NFL draft, along with our opinions of the Lamar Jackson contract extension and the Aaron Rodgers trade. Plus, the NBA playoffs are in full effect. Please sit back, enjoy a nice drink, and enjoy the episode. All About the Balls Podcast! With Mark Davis, Chris Minard, and Nick the Doc Skirkowitz. Good evening. It is Sunday, April 30, 2023 on this NFL post-draft episode of All About the Balls Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Davis, live from the Sack House. Joined alongside, as always, my great co-host, Nick the Doc Skirkowitz. Doc, it's been a wild week since we last spoke. We had the draft. We had Lamar Jackson extended. Aaron Rodgers traded. The Boston Bruins, the President's Trophy winners, eliminated first round of playoffs by the Florida Panthers. Baseball's heating up. The second round of the NBA playoffs is in full effect as well. Doc, how are you doing tonight? Oh, real good. Real good, brother. Real glad to be here. Uh, yeah, very exciting week that we had. A lot of a lot of surprises in the draft. That's the best way, to, I mean, to put it lightly. You know what I mean? It's an understatement. There's no words. Uh, the moves made, the trades, everything else. I mean, it has been an incredible week. I'm glad that I could hear some excitement in your voice. I know, speaking on baseball real quick, my Yankees are kind of sucking. We're like the, we're pretty much the cold streak of the AL East, even though all five of us have a winning record. But we are shit in the bed. Aaron Judge is hurt. I'm glad that I could see you sounding positive, even though the White Sox seem to shit the bed as always. But, uh, yeah, baseball is kicking our ass right now. But, hey, football and basketball and hockey, they seem to kind of bring us up a little bit at the time being. So, hopefully our, our two teams can turn that around. And if you beautiful listeners and viewers are kind of noticing, I didn't introduce our other great co-host, Chris Gemeinhart. Uh, he took had to take the weekend off. He is welcoming his second child into this world. So, we just want to say from the sack house, Chris, to you and your wonderful wife, good luck and congratulations. You guys are now Congratulations, even. brother. Yeah, you guys are even with two children, so it will be an interesting time to see as, as you guys get a little older when you have two kids now in the household rather than outnumbering one. But, Doc, the show must continue and the show must go on, like everyone says. So, obviously, the NFL draft, three days of pure chaos, at least the first two days. We had six trades in the first uh, day, three in the top ten, one by your Chicago Bears who traded back, which I thought was the steal. We'll get to that. But first – you know, Bryce Young, like you and Chris predicted, did go number one to the Carolina Panthers. He will be in North Carolina and Charlotte rocking the, the baby blue and the black. I think out of the quarterbacks, I mean, you can't go wrong with that. I did have CJ going one, but allegedly he's a dumb dumb. So I got that wrong. And I did say it'd be one, two, depending on what it was. But, you know, Houston, I felt made a good uh, move going CJ and then trading back with the card or trading up with the Cardinals and getting Will Anderson Jr. out of Alabama and I think the Cardinals made a good decision there. Doc, how do you feel about the two quarterbacks? I know you guys kind of – well, you said Houston's going to make a mistake, but how do you feel about them actually going CJ over AR or Will Levis? Uh, CJ, I think CJ's a good move. Um, Will Levis and Richardson, I mean, I'm not I'm not stoked on either of them. Um, I think that Bryce Young is the right move for, for um, Carolina. I think he's going he's gonna to bode very well there. I think that Houston sticking with uh, my prediction of going with that quarterback – because defense was going to be plenty later on for their second pick was the best move that they could have made. And, uh, you know, the first surprise of the day, obviously a huge move up to get not only the quarterback of the future, but also the defensive 
player of the future for this organization. Setting that that foundation and those franchise players on both sides of the ball was huge moves. Great start to the draft by the Houston Texans. Oh, yeah, I completely agree with you, Doc, there. I think that with D'Amico Ryans being the head coach, he kind of got what he wanted. He got his quarterback of the franchise being his first year there, and he got his stud pass rusher, Will Anderson Jr., and that's uh, that's huge because Will Anderson, you know, we've seen it. He's been a stud. He might have had a little production drop last year, but, hey, I mean, I can't have a great year or 100% year every single year. It's still 95% is a hell of a year, in my opinion. But, yeah, I think Arizona, though, trading back, that was smart. They didn't need a quarterback. They did trade back up to six with Detroit, got their lineman that Kyler Murray wanted. But we'll talk, like I said, we'll talk about the rest of positions later. Right now it's quarterback talking. The Colts was on the clock at four, and, you know, the smokescreen was Will Levis was going to go four. That's their guy. They were afraid that someone was going to take him. Could have been Houston. Could have been Tennessee. They traded back up to three. But Anthony Richardson, the Florida Gator, went to number four. GM Chris Ballard was on the Pat McAfee show, and he says that was the guy all along. That's who he wanted. Uh I know me and Chris aren't sold on him. Doc, you think Indy made a mistake going AR over Will Levis, or are you kind of liking the fact that he's a project, they're knowing the Colts have a lot of work to go? That It might work. We don't know yet. No, I think it's a, I think it's a mistake. I think the work that he needs, um, the ceiling I don't think is all that high. Um, having the one full season starting in Florida, uh, not to mention, you know, 2,500 yards is nothing to be proud of in the SEC, 17 touchdowns, nine interceptions. I mean, the work that is going to need to go in for this guy to be successful and you don't have the tools to put around him to teach him, uh, Indianapolis is going to is going to stay mediocre for the next four to five years. They, they did draft a wide receiver in the third round out of North Carolina, Josh Downs, who was supposed to be a round two uh, projected player. And I think that's a good move to have him next to Michael Pittman out there. You do have J- JT. They, they kind of got to work on that line. They did draft someone later in the round. But, I mean, the Colts are just a mess in general. And then that, well, that uh, kind of cues up the next one is Will Levis. Only three quarterbacks went in the first round. We were thinking there was going to be four, <laughs> potentially five with Hidden Hooker. But Will Levis falls out of the first round. Pretty uh, shock. I mean, in my opinion, pretty shocked. He was supposed to be top fifteen, all all four of them really. And the Titans trade back up to pick thirty three with the Arizona Cardinals. So once again, the Cardinals were wheeling and dealing there, getting on those picks traded back. Will Levis looks like Tennessee is starting to kind of rebuild that franchise. They did draft Peter Skransky out of Northwestern. They did draft a running back that is going to pair with Derrick Henry, but potentially take a spot when Henry's getting older. But I do like the Titans trading up in the second round for for a guy like Will Levis. Not 100% sold on him, but why not? Malik Willis isn't the guy. Even uh, Mike Vrabel said that it is Ryan Tannehill's job going into training camp, but he has competition. So that means it's open that it could be Will Levis, just like Russell Wilson and the Seahawks when they drafted him. They paid uh, Matt Flynn, and then you know, Russell Wilson took the job. So this could be this could be Will Levis' job if he balls out in training camp and during uh, preseason. Yeah, definitely a sneaky move by the Titans to come up and take that pick. I think getting him in the second round was an absolute steal for uh, where his his value was at earlier on in the draft. Um, but I think, you know, getting him in that second round, the work that's going to go in for him. Again, not a guy that I was super stoked on, a guy that I, that I definitely had above Richardson. Uh, but for him to fall to the second round and the Titans to make an easy move to come up and get him, I think – Tannehill's a great guy to, to, to sit behind and learn from, uh, at least through camping, you know, hopefully through that first season. Uh, but, yeah, Tannehill's time is coming to an end. The, the Titans are oddly, like, you get that that vibe like they're in win-now mode, even though they keep selling off assets and getting rid of players. It's so strange. I don't understand what they're trying to accomplish. But 
I think uh, Will Levis is a great move for for a second round pick for them. Definitely. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, Doc. I mean, I wasn't sold on him just because of the big games last year in college. He kind of struggled. But the AFC South, though, in general, all young quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence is most experienced. Once Ryan Tannehill, uh, you know, dies out of there and, you know, they start to piece in uh, Will Levis. But I'm actually interested in AFC South. I think Houston's going to be a lot better, even though Arizona owns their draft pick. So projected by Vegas odds, the Arizona Cardinals will have the first and second pick of next year's draft. So that would be interesting that happened. And then the fifth quarterback, Hendon Hooker, he kind of fell to the Detroit Lions all the way in the third round. I'm sorry, the fourth round. And um, I think with Jared Goff, he's, he had success last year. I think he can still start for another year or two. But, you know, if he kind of struggles this year, you can get rid of him, cut bait. And Hendon Hooker, who's a little older, a little more experienced as a college quarterback, I think Hendon Hooker could arguably be the second, even the first best quarterback in this draft when it's all said and done. He might not have the playing length, like the career length, like these other guys will because he's older. But I think you can get him for 10 to 12 years at his age, play till 35, 37. That's a solid move by Detroit. I'm not 100% sold on their moves that they did in the first couple rounds, but or the first round with uh, Jack Campbell and Gibbs where they got him. But I like that Hendon Hooker pick with Detroit. I think Dan Campbell kind of found a uh, little gem there in the fourth round. I'm sorry, third round. It's actually third round. Yeah, third round. Yeah, no, I absolutely love the move to take uh, Hendon Hooker in that in that third round. I think uh, when I look back at the quarterbacks, I would say number one is, is between Bryce Young and and Hendon Hooker. I think that the injury and and prime contention, uh, what he did with that Tennessee offense in a very stacked sec house i think it was very impressive he was he was one of my favorites going through the season coming into the draft but i think that injury obviously took a lot of stock off and um but i think yeah like you said jared goff's time is coming to an end i think the the jared goff experiment is going to be closing the door here in the next couple of years the the inconsistency has been a problem over the last several years if not his entire career i mean to come out strong like he did in in la and absolutely shit the bed before being sent to Detroit in that Stafford deal. Um, I, I like Kenan Hooker, and I, I'm going to be afraid to see him play against my Bears. Yeah, and I, I like Kenan Hooker, too. I mean, besides the Georgia game, which, I mean, everyone, let's be honest, Georgia killed everyone. They they beat down quarterbacks this year, but he tore up Alabama, whose defense was a little off last year. But well, Georgia allowed us in 200 yards a, a week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was only a couple – I mean, the Missouri game, they were kind of in a little upset mode, but they came back and found a way to win. But you mentioned the Rams and Sean McVay loves uh making an offense work and i think this is the last quarterback we're going to touch on the a the aging stinson bennett the two-time reigning national champion from those georgia bulldogs got drafted uh in the fourth round by by those los angeles rams and i think that is a honestly a quiet sneaky good pick for the rams i think matthew stafford's time is definitely coming to an end i think he's got less time than jared goff i mean he's older but that that sense of Bennett kid, I I liked him. I mean, kid, he's a man. He's a grown man. I'm a man. And uh, yeah, that pick came with a senior citizen discount. Oh yeah, and you know, I, I just like it. I mean, I think he's gonna vibe off of uh, off Sean McVay. He maybe he needs to keep his little drinking and and check because you know he had that little problem out there, and I think it was Dallas. So L.A. lifestyle, he could get in trouble. But I do like the Rams taking sense of Bennett in that, uh, especially the fourth round. I mean, he was a little higher than probably his value was worth, but. Why not? You didn't have many picks to start off the draft. Why not just get the quarterback that you think is going to be the future possibly for the next 10 years at least? 
But and even if he's not, I mean, uh, to use a fourth round pick on a quarterback that has tremendous upside, I like the kid. I think that he did great. Uh, again, actually, not a kid like you said, but I like the man. Um, great in Georgia. I think that that there is tremendous upside to him, and and with Matthew Stafford another chapter that's going to be coming to a close overall, not just with a particular team, but his career, you know, winding down towards its, its end. Um, if this works, then it, then it's a steal. It's a genius move. If it doesn't, then you use a fourth round pick and a quarterback, which, you know, big deal. Yeah. Big deal. Especially with them. They weren't, they didn't have really many, I mean, they had a lot of picks at the back end of the draft, but for them now to start restocking their draft picks back up, McVay's not known for that. I think, though, learning behind Stafford, he, he's a very savvy vet, Super Bowl champion. It's a very good experience to quarterback to learn and a from. a great guy to learn from. Great guy to learn from. <laughs> yeah, but let's uh, transition, Doc. You know, that's enough quarterback talk for right now. We'll have plenty of offseason and plenty of during the NFL season to talk about that. Surprising, in today's era, we got two running backs before we got a wide receiver drafted. If there was a runoff, uh, picks 20 through 23, but B. John Robinson, eight to my Atlanta Falcons. Obviously, I'm a little biased. I love the pick just because it's my Texas Longhorn being drafted to my Falcons. He's probably arguably the best all-around player in this draft, but how long will his shelf life be as a running back? They expect him to use him more in the flex as well, like a Christian McCaffrey and a Saquon Barkley. And Jameer Gibbs going to the Lions, that's the questionable one I had because I felt like the Lions could have got him later on with their second pick and addressed that cornerback need instead of getting Brian Branch in the second round. They could have gotten a Christian Gonzalez from Oregon who fell to the Patriots at 17. I, I just don't think the Detroit – I mean, they did trade Swift, which we're going to talk about in a little bit when we talk about winners of the draft weekend. But I just didn't think they could have – I think they could have gone Gibbs at, at 18 and not drafted Jack Campbell. I thought they needed a pass rush corner and then maybe draft running back. But I like the Atlanta pick, maybe a little high for a running back value. But we're building an offense out there. We did draft a tackle, so it kind of fits that we're running the ball more with our coach. But, Doc, is it more surprising to get two running backs before wide receiver? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, considering the value of the running back right now and, and pretty much being a dime a dozen, I mean, the, the Zeke Elliott deal getting dropped by Dallas pretty much put a close on that. I think, you know, David Montgomery, even the work that he was able to do for Chicago, he kind of got sidelined for Khalil Herbert. Um, but to come over to Detroit on a three-year $18 million deal is, is almost nothing. And, you know, with that being said, whether you trade Swift or not, I mean, to have David Montgomery is your starting running back and you go, you know, running back first round, I think is a colossal mistake for him. I think that there were a lot better options to help bolster that team and and make them more competitive in a NFC North that is almost up for grabs at this point. Now that Favre is gone and Minnesota is just kind of dwindling away. Um, I'm, I'm not a fan of that pick at running back, especially before wide receivers, but that's just because the value of running backs has just gone down. You said, you know, you mentioned about using them in the flex and everything, and that's really about the only way that you can stay relevant as a running back in today's football. Uh, strictly running the ball, Derrick Henry is probably the last one that holds true value for being a straight, just run up the middle kind of guy uh, with his elite power and, and ability to get loose. But aside from that, I mean, if you're not catching the ball like a Christian McCaffrey, I mean, plenty of other people oh, can yeah. do it. And it seems like Derek, like you said, Derek Henry is the the only guy that can survive a second big co or a second contract for a uh, running back because he's still going. He did have that ACL to, uh, or that ACL that injury a couple years ago where he did come back a little early. But speaking of those receivers, you know the four teams that drafted him, we had the Seahawks, the Seahawks, the Chargers, the Ravens, and the Vikings. A little shocked the Vikings chose a receiver 
they they did get the fourth one out of the bunch uh, just because they had so, they need so much on defense and with so few picks, I thought they would have addressed that. But uh, I like the Seahawks. I I do like the Seahawks going uh, receiver at Jackson Smith the Jigba, and I think that drafting Quentin Quentin Johnson for the Chargers, with the Chargers got both TCUI receivers, so that's going to be interesting. That you just have a TCU receiver core and Mike Williams if he can stay healthy, and Keenan Allen's getting older, but. And the Ravens, they got they got Lamar Jackson that weapon. They got Zay Flowers. It's it is a smaller receiver. It seems like Baltimore is running small receivers, so which is my issue with them. They they do need a big body, I feel like, just because Lamar Jackson sometimes he can be a little wild. But I do like the receivers where they were at. I like that they went in the twenties though. But I like the spots they were located at. I think it's a good spot for them. Yeah, I didn't think any of the receivers had like that true uh, front first round kind of potential um i think that that they pretty much fell in line um minnesota another baffling move going wide receiver i don't understand that one uh seattle another one that i'm kind of you know dk metcalf got the got the deal uh tyler you know lockett's going to be going to be coming due so unless you're planning on on moving on from him i don't understand the wide receiver in seattle um but it's nice to finally see Baltimore trying to amass some weapons for the quarterback that they were so desperate to keep. Uh, excuse me, their 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 RB one that they were so desperate to keep. Now maybe he can actually use the weapon that he was hired for, and that's his arm. Um, but nice to see that their number one weapon is no longer a tight end, in my opinion. Well, I still think that's the number one weapon, just because it's a it's well, yeah, because he's got to develop. It's definitely a great security blanket, but they did draft Rashad Bateman in the first round a couple years ago. They did get Odell, who's a first rounder, you know, many years ago, many moons, but not the same Odell we once know him as. But it seems like they are trying to piece together at least an offense for him. And, you know, we'll touch on that contract a little later, but they did get him for five years. So maybe let's see what they can do. And, Doc, let's kind of pivot away from the running backs and receivers. Six trades in, in this first round. Uh, you know, obviously, we touched on the the te- Texans trading up to get Will Anderson. The we that we did kind of talk about, it, but the Cardinals did get the the tackle that Kyler Murray wanted at six. Paris Johnson Jr. out of the Ohio State University. I think that's a solid move for them when Kyler's back. Now they can kind of build that line. And then your Chicago Bears trading out of that ninth spot. They weren't going to go for Jalen Carter. Carter that was smokescreen from a lot of us mock draft experts. They got their little uh, offensive tackle out of Tennessee, Darnell Wright. Hopefully now that line can keep Justin Fields up up and healthy. But that's three top ten trades, kind of a chaos, chaotic top ten, uh, my opinion, for this Thursday night draft. Yeah, uh, big move by the Bears. I mean, at least to come away with a fourth rounder. Uh, a lot of people were, were blowing up steam about it, saying, you know, oh, they stole, they stole, blah blah blah, and like, dude, they they moved up or they moved back one spot, got a fourth rounder, it wasn't a big deal. Uh, not taking Jalen Carter was a huge surprise to me. Uh, I really thought that we needed that defensive anchor to hold, you know, the, the defensive 11 together. Uh, I do like the move. Um, right was, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say your little, your little tackle, right. Um, right was list, uh, labeled as, as the best offensive lineman that Will Anderson said that he went against uh, last season. So I think that it's a good move. I think, Either way, we were going like a Jalen Carter, Will Anderson type deal if we didn't trade back, or we were going with an offensive lineman. I personally was hoping for Skaronsky, uh, but I am excited for Wrighton and what he can bring to this team. Well, yeah, and your Bears, they, they definitely did address both sides of the trenches. They did go 100%. Tack- yeah, they, go, they went D-tackle with two of the first four picks, two SEC, two SEC boys, 
uh, one out of Florida in the second round and one out of South Carolina with the first pick of the third round. So, I mean, it's not like you guys didn't address it. You dressed a little later than you needed, but I guess the quarterback honestly is more important just because you want to keep that guy up, up and healthy. But, and then the Jaguars, or I'm sorry, the Steelers traded up and took their guy, Broderick Jones out of Georgia. They traded with the Patriots, which, you know, which is funny because the Patriots traded back to kind of screw the, the Jets because they wanted that lineman. And then they used the pick later on. They got traded with the Jets to get a kicker or a punter or whatever. But then the Jaguars traded twice in the first round. They traded back one spot with the the Giants who took a corner, which I guess so they were afraid someone was going to trade with the Jaguars. And then literally that pick later, Buffalo traded up and screwed Dallas and took the tight end out of Utah, Dalton Kincaid. And that was going to be Dallas's pick. And then it looks like they just said, screw it. We'll go tight end later in the draft. They passed on Michael Mayer, went D-tackle out of Michigan, uh, Mozzie Smith. So definitely some uh, – <laughs> the first round was chaotic. I was sitting there on my – just sitting on the couch just watching it and just like, holy shit, like what's going on? Like everyone's trading. They were using most of the clock. I mean, it was a pretty crazy first round in my opinion. Yeah, definitely more trades than I anticipated. And why when we did our mock drafts, why I didn't even bother with the trades because, I mean, it's just – it's so – unpredictable and and wild but um no i think great moves uh by all the organizations i mean to come away with something like even the bears going back one they picked up an extra round uh you know buffalo moving up you love to see the competitiveness in the teams moving up to to screw another team uh i love the buffalo to get dalton kincaid that just that melted my heart love to see that it probably, it probably melts your heart because it screws dallas you know i mean i don't Fuck have any them boys yeah, but not everyone's a big fan of America's team. I like, I don't mind them. Uh, I mean, I have no no hate for them. I I kind of root for them just to see little everyone else kind of suffer a little bit. It's good entertainment on TV at least. But uh, speaking of the NFC East, the Cowboys, but the Philadelphia Eagles, they took two Bulldogs in the first round. I felt like that was a still getting Nolan Smith at the second to last pick of that round. And you know they drafted Keelan Rigo, Ringo, a corner later on in the draft. They did trade for DeAndre Swift. Uh, running back from Georgia, uh, from the Lions. They uh, did give up, a, I think, a fourth rounder next year or the year after. And it's just like maybe that defense is the Philadelphia Bulldogs. You know, I feel like they're the true winners of this draft weekend. They they had a lot of good picks. And, I mean, the NFC is already weak. I, I just honestly think that it's still Philly's conference to 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 beat. You know, you have to beat Philly. Like, they – they stocked up. They got a safety, which you love, Sidney Brown, out of Illinois. An offensive tackle, Tyler Steen, who's going to eventually replace these older tackles uh, from Alabama. And they just drafted well. They drafted a, a depth guy from Texas in the, the seventh round. Like, it's just Philly is just loading up. And Howie Roseman, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think he's probably the GM right now of, of the league. I think he's the best GM going. Yeah, Philly definitely made moves for longevity, and it's something that you don't see a lot of teams do when they're in their window and they're competitive and they've got a chance at going for the title. To see them make moves that that extend that window the way that they've just done uh, is impressive to see. I mean, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, not only are they two premier defensive players, uh, but it's such a steal because both coming out of Georgia, you've already got the team chemistry, the two guys that know – how to work together that can bring a team together, you know, and just continue to build that defense up and make them so much better. I, just incredible draft. And then Sidney Brown, a steal in the third round, in my opinion. Um, great hands, great coverage, just an all-around great secondary. Eagles are definitely, if not winners, they're definitely one of the winners of the draft. 
And then I think another winner is your Chicago Bears. You know, I, I I like what they did. They, like I said, we talked about a little earlier. They got Darnell Wright, but not even just that. They drafted Garvin Dexter, a pretty big body out of the Florida Gators, 6'6", 310 pounds. That's a big boy that's going to plug that that middle uh, interior uh, D-line. They got Tariq Stevenson, who is a very underrated corner, the sixth-ranked corner projected on ESPN's uh, draft rankings. And you guys got him in the, the second round with your second pick. You did get my boy Roshan Johnson. A running back, you know, to play David Montgomery to pair with Herbert. I think he's going to be potentially the running back one, maybe after this year, even maybe in the beginning or in the middle of the year, once he starts to get his rhythm out there. I, I like what the Chicago Bears are doing. I, I keep saying that they are my hot take team to make the playoffs this year. I really think that they're going to find a way to make that wild card spot. It's not a deep conference already, so why not be a wild card team potentially? Depending on what the Detroit Lions do, you could even, you know, rattle them. I think Minnesota and Green Bay are falling off, so I like what Chicago did. Yeah, Minnesota's definitely falling off. Detroit's still kind of a young team in a lot of ways. Um, but Chicago, yeah, making all the right moves. And it was nice to finally see Chicago go into the draft and attack the positions that we had needs. You know what I mean? A lot of times, I mean, the offensive line has been a struggle for a couple of years. We come out of the draft, we took maybe a guy in the sixth. You know, uh, we, we've never really addressed the needs where we needed to, offensively at least. Defensively, we've always been pretty good. We've always been a very heavily you know, defensive drafting team, but nice to see them take it on both sides of the ball and, and, and start building from the front, you know, get those lines squared away. Everything else will fall into place. You know, you get that guy that can rush off the edge or that guy that can be a defensive presence and he affects the secondary. We saw Khalil Mack doing when he was traded over, what it did to quarterbacks, rattle the cage, how it improved the secondary and made them more aggressive to the ball, make quarterbacks make mistakes. You know, you get the right guy, and, and, it, and it changes the whole dynamic of the scheme. So you don't need to build all 11 positions. Sometimes you just got to get a couple, and I think that they that they may have found a couple of those guys here. Oh, yeah. Like I said, it's very interesting to see the NFC North as well. And I think in the AFC, the AFC North especially, I think the Steelers and the Bengals had a very good draft. I like what the Steelers did for little picks that they had. Seeing them be also being aggressive now with their new GM is something different too. They're kind of old school. They don't really trade. They don't really do anything crazy. But getting Broderick Jones and uh, following Joey Porter Jr., who I thought was going to be the third corner off the board in the second round, I liked the pick out of both both picks out of Wisconsin with D tackle and uh, their linebacker Nick Kerbrig. And I love Darnell Washington. I think he had a good combine. He's a big body tight end. He can block for Najee Harris, so maybe they can get that line going again and that let Najee run. Opens up the pass, obviously, with Kenny Pickett. I I like what Pittsburgh's doing. I think the AFC North is going to be one of the better or not better, but maybe more competitive divisions in football of all four teams, I think having a shot to actually make the playoffs. And I, I, we talked about the Bengals off air, Chase Brown going to the Bengals. He's a fifth round running back who was like the third or fourth uh, most rushing or most rushing yards in college last year. And him and Joe Mixon, that's going to be a pretty good pair. I think too, out there in Cincinnati with Joe Burrow. That is an absolute steal to get him all the way back in the fifth. I mean, from day one, he was one of the premier running backs in all of NC2A. Uh, to get him where they did, I mean, kudos to them uh, to jump, you know, to, to jump and pick him up. Uh, Pittsburgh, yeah, Broderick Jones, great OT to take off the board um, to try and help the, the quarterbacks that they don't have. That's the only shame there. But uh, Joey Porter Jr., I mean, lucky that he fell to the second round. Another great, you know, another very good defensive team, um, you know, historically. So great job to, to take a, you know, to get a cornerback that late or a, a good cornerback that late, you know, when he was projected to go kind of mid to late first round. 
Um, and then, yeah, Darnell Washington, great tight end. Excited to see him get going in, in Pittsburgh. Yeah, like they said, it's hard to be – like we talked about it too during the mock draft. Darnell Washington, uh, you know, the number two tight end on Georgia, it's hard to get a lot of production when you have the best tight end in college playing on the team with you. But a little bit of duds, I think we can talk about some of the losers. And I, I can speak for Chris because we were texting during the draft and our uh, – not our group chat, but a different group chat we're in. He was not a fan of his Saints picks. You know, a lot of the, the first three guys, you know, injury history. And, you know, you don't want to draft – a lot of guys with injury problems. And that was with Brian Brees and Isaiah Foskey and the running back Kendry, or sorry, Kendra Miller from TCU, all pretty good players, but they have an injury history ish uh, problem. And, you know, they're in a spot where our division sucks with the NFC South, so they can win the NFC. And I understand trying to retool that D line, but there was better options available. Nolan Smith was there. They could have drafted him. I mean, it's just, he's not, he wasn't happy with the saints picks. I mean, he was texting us all the whole first two days, and he just was pissed off. Um, so, I mean, I don't know about you, Doc. I don't know if you pay attention to the Saints, but they had a shit draft in, in mine, his eyes, honestly. No, definitely. Uh, like you said, I mean, uh, guys that were available throughout their picks and, and where they kind of landed was was another, you know, Minnesota and Detroit debacle that I just – that I didn't get. Um, not happy. I mean, to go injury injury-prone guys doesn't really – help the needs of the scheme of the team. I, I don't think it was the right play for them at all. Yeah, and then another team which we talked about is the New England Patriots. The, you know, a team that needs weapons. I understand getting Christian Gonzalez, he fell to 17. And I understand maybe going to pass rusher Keen White in the second round, in the middle of the second round from Georgia Tech. But after that, you know, you failed to get Mac Jones any kind of help until the sixth round with Kayshawn Boutte, who was a, a stud a couple of years ago, but his production dropped off last year. And – they drafted a kicker before him. They drafted a center. They drafted they drafted three O linemen before that. So it's just Doc is what we talked about. How can Mac Jones get that help? And if you just can't, you don't draft them and you're not get them in the free agency. It's I just feel like the New England Patriots are are lost since Tom Brady's left. And I don't know what Bill's doing out there. I think it was a shit shit draft class for them, honestly. Hundred percent. I mean, to to not pick up weapons that you, you know, in the positions that you need to make your team more competitive and make them more explosive on offense. It's, it's, it's crazy to me. Um, I think that this might be their way of trying to write Mac Jones out of new England, uh, aside from just straight cutting him. This is something that we saw in Baltimore for, for many years, just not picking up the offensive weapons that you needed to, to be explosive. But yeah, I thought that they started out strong with, uh, Christian Gonzalez and, and Keon white, I think that Christian Gonzalez, even though it was a steal to get him at that point, I think maybe breaking open that wide receiver, uh, that wide receiver pool and getting a weapon for Mac Jones could have done wonders. And you know, it's it, it's where it leaves you so confused. You you can make the argument of, of Mac Jones, but how can you say it without having the true weapons that he needs to to excel? Yeah, I completely agree with that, Doc. And and that's why they're going to be in last place in the AFC East, just, you know, shit free agency and a shit uh, draft class. And, you know, I know I, – I don't know Time how – Time to I retire, like, Bill. Yeah, it's getting there, honestly. Don't know how long uh, Mr. Kraft is going to want to keep him around. But a lot of experts I see that, you know, they got Arizona, a high, high, uh, you know, grade, draft grade. Obviously, I think draft grades are hilarious. You know, it's only been a couple hours and you're already giving them grades. So I don't know what the, what's going to happen. But they did seem to address a lot of needs uh, in Arizona. They did get a lot of draft capital for the next couple of years. Uh, my team, I'm interested to see our picks. 
We have one of the better slot corners um, out there with Clark Phillips from Utah. I kind of like the move where we got him in the fourth round. You know, he was the 12th ranked uh, corner off in the pre-draft, and we got him where he was uh, at in the fourth round. He was uh, the SEC, or sorry, the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, and we we get him. We got Bijan. Obviously, I'm getting a jersey. I don't care. As soon as he get balances that number, I'm buying a jersey. Oh, you got um, I might I might get two of them. I might, I might get the the red and the black, and then I might just get the old throwback black jersey. We kind of got a guard, black, dude. Well, I mean, I, I might the get black a is so sharp. Well, the throwback black is our is our best uniform, and with the red helmet that we wear, and we did get Zach Harrison out of Ohio State, a pass rusher, which we know we still consistently need. He's a big he's a big guy. He does cause a lot of uh, chaos in the backfield, but he has a hard time finishing the play. So hopefully our coaches can coach that and you know get him to you know maybe get that motor going a little bit better. But yeah, I'm excited. I, I think the draft because it wasn't supposed to be the best draft class, so that's what kind of made it the best. Is you don't know where anyone was going to go. That's already stocked up for the future. Yeah, and you know people people like I said we had I think the most trades in NFL history or draft history. Um, it was in Kansas City. The crowds were electric there. Um, love always to see those celebrity and former athletes come on stage and announce the picks. Uh, Devin McCourty, former uh, Patriot and uh, also a Titan. That's why he announced the Titans pick. Just absolutely shit on the AFC South, the Texans, the Colts, and the Jaguars. He said pretty much, you know, they're two and six. The Colts are two and six since Pat McAfee was in Nashville and shit on the Titans. The Jaguars haven't had back-to-back winning seasons or back-to-back winning. Um, oh, he said, yeah, he said back-to-back winning seasons since he was a senior in high school, and that was many years ago. Or so, sorry, senior in college, I think, but. And then obviously shits on Houston because the uh, Houston Texans. So well, that's, that's just seeing, easy to do. Love seeing Drew Pearson from the Cowboys going in there and just just sitting there always saying I'm an undrafted free agent uh, coming here. You know the Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl champion, Hall of Fame owner Jerry Jones. I just love it. Love watching the draft. And no matter how bad the draft class is, I always get excited uh, to see. But Doc, before the draft, you know to start the week, Aaron Rodgers finally was traded. I believe it was Monday. Uh, Yes, finally done. Finally out of the NFC North, followed Aaron Rodgers. So just kind of fair warning to our viewers and listeners, in about 15 years, Jordan Love will be a New York Jet as well. So just keep that tradition going. You know, always going to have that happen. But, you know, they did swap a fifth and a sixth. They did obviously swap first rounders. The Jets did give up a second rounder this year, which the Packers used on a tight end. But they drafted two tight ends. So at least they gave Jordan Love some help. And they uh, got a first rounder next year, but if the Jets, they're going to be good, we think. So that's going to be the pick in the twenties. So I don't think the Jets absolutely care about that pick. Obviously, they're in Super Bowl, Super Bowl mode, so one one pick is not or two picks is not going to hurt them. And I like the move. I think both teams won the trade. I think that the Packers got what they wanted. They got Aaron Rodgers out of there. They get him off the books. They got a couple draft picks. And now it's Jordan Love's team. There's no distractions going into the offseason, even though they did draft a. Uh, quarterback and he'll probably be the backup and the jets got their boy and we'll see now what he does in the afcs with the the dolphins and the bills so i know you're not as high on that no them winning the division but i think they are still a team that could win it uh when it's all said and done i mean could they win it yeah i don't think they're they're I don't think that's going to happen, but uh you know I, what i like the most about the move is is the jets didn't get bullied the jets stood their ground they didn't get bullied because uh, this is one of those moves kind of especially against an emerging team like the Jets that need kind of that that final piece. I don't know if, if Rodgers right now where he's at in his career is that final piece. We've seen numbers really start to teeter off for him. Um, 
But, you know, it, it's easy for a team, take the Browns, for instance, what they gave up to get uh, Deshaun Watson, you know. So to see them come in, they, they gave up, what, a first, a second, and a fifth or a sixth rounder pick? I mean, that's, that, that's a steal. That was year. honestly a swap, I think. And I think a first rounder next year, too. I think they gave up two – they gave up, well, technically three because of the same draft year, but they gave up a 2023 and a 2024 uh, first rounder. So Houston will have a first rounder next year, even though they gave up theirs to Arizona. So good on Arizona, you know. They're, I'm not they're seeing the first round. You're I'm not, not seeing the first I, for next year. Uh, maybe I was wrong. That's what I was told uh, when we were talking about draft this weekend. We were so I'm seeing uh, Jets or Packers sent their oh, no. quarterback Rodgers. Oh, I'm sorry. I was talking about Deshaun Watson's contract, so that's why. Oh, I was oh yeah, 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 yeah. They gave up a first round for next year as well. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah they so sold like, the house for him. That's what I'm. That's what I was saying. They got they they gave up everything. A team again, another team that's emerging, that's explosive. A team that's like right on that cusp of of becoming that dominant force in their division, and they gave up all their opportunities to get to get help for the future. And they gave up that. I mean, I'm, I know Kirk Cousins gets a fully guaranteed contract, but it's not as long. It's not as as uh, as much as what Deshaun Watson got. He's still the only guy to get that fully guaranteed contract at that kind of crazy amount. I mean, like I said, I know Kirk Cousins has gotten a you know three eighty four, and you know he gets those, but it's a smaller deal, and it's not that not that risky compared to Deshaun Watson. Even though I love Deshaun Watson, I think he's going to bounce back. I think he's going to come out, but with everything that was going on, you just don't give that guy kind of that fully contract and you know, transitioning over Lamar Jackson didn't get exactly what he wanted, but I think deep down he did get what he wanted. I think he wanted Jalen, someone like Jalen hurts to get paid before him. So that was that next crop, uh, you know, that next tier where he jumps it up now for Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, but he got 185 million guaranteed. That's pretty good in my opinion for him. And he got a six or a five year, $260 million contract. So he's averaging over $51 million a year. Uh, they locked him up five more years. So, now, you know, for the next five seasons, we can kind of keep this on, you know, to bed. We can kind of lay it to rest. And I think the, the Ravens and the Lamar Jackson, they got what they wanted. And now they can look forward to the next five years. That defense is that defense. So the Ravens will still be good. I mean, I know we're not sold on Lamar Jackson. He is good enough to get them to the playoffs because how electric he is. But that doesn't transition over in the playoffs as well. Um, but, hey, it's good to see the Ravens and this all done. Because I'm sick and tired of hearing about it, um, talking about it, yeah, and listening to it. So, you know, so that, that week started with Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, and then hit transition to the next six quarterbacks that we talked about to start the show. And I, I think the NFL is uh, always producing something. It's always going on. There's always something going on. And, you know, it was a good – I think it was a hell of a week for the NFL. I think Kansas City looked like a great time. I wish – you know, I wish we were there. It would have been awesome to go there, that draft. I think they had 300,000-plus people in attendance for the whole weekend. And uh, it looked like a time. Yeah, no, it was great. Um, week definitely started out uh, with a bang, you know, like you said, between the the Lamar Jackson and the Aaron Rodgers deal. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I think, is is going to turn around to bite Baltimore uh, in the ass. I don't think that that was the right move for him to guarantee that kind of money to him. Uh, you know, looking at his numbers after the MVP season, obviously numbers have just like teetered and gone downhill since then. Only 12 games each the last two years uh, due to injuries. Even the year before that, uh, 26 touchdowns, nine interceptions, a good number, but only 26 touchdown numbers were down in the full 15 game season, you know, yards, 2,700 is nothing to be, you know, to write home about 2,800 the following year in 12 games was a huge step up. Uh, but again, an injury and then an injury last year limited into 2,200 yards, but again, another 600 yard, 600 plus yard step down in the same amount of games. So, 
you know, this is a guy I'm glad to see they finally got him weapons again, um, you know, for receiving because this is a guy that is going to RG3 himself out of the league uh, if he continues to put the the game on his back like he does running the football. This this league is just it, it is not forgiving for those kind of players. Yeah, and I can't wait to get our our other our fourth co-host when he comes on, Luke Rule. He's a, a Ravens fan. It'll be nice to hear his side of everything. And, you know, we'll get to that. You know, we have a whole offseason. Obviously, we're going to be talking fantasy coming up with our, uh, our top 10 positions and all that. But it'll be nice to hear his side of the story as a Ravens fan. But, Doc, I, I kind of want to get away from football for a couple minutes. You know, we spent some, a good amount of time on the NFL draft and, you know, obviously Lamar and Aaron Rodgers. But the top team in the NBA – and a top team in hockey, both eliminated by a South Florida team, the Miami Heat knocking off the Bucks. which I hate to say it, but I called it. I mean, obviously a little biased, but my Miami Heat you upset did. You did. Milwaukee and Giannis. I love Giannis. I love watching the kid play. I think he's great. I love his personality. And just today, the Florida Panthers out of Miami upset the President's Trophy winner. And we, I know we talked about it when I was out there with you. The President's Trophy winner's history lately is not that good. The Boston Bruins, love to see they it. They do now want to win that trophy. Got upset. I mean, hey, not even just the trophy. They, they set the record for most points, most wins in a season. And they blew a 3-1 season lead or series lead to the Florida Panthers. And they were the they were the last seed at the Eastern Conference because they were the one seed. So, love to see it. Love to see the Boston teams get shitted on. Uh, Florida's got a hockey. good team, though, man. Don't, don't discount Florida. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no doubt. I mean, hey. And now they have to go to play Toronto, who ups, who beat the other Florida team, the the Bolts, the, the Lightning out of Tampa. So, hey, Toronto's got a chance to go two for two against the Florida teams in uh, the old hockey playoffs. And um, right now, in the third the third period, the Kraken are beating the defending champs, Al- Avalanche. So, hockey, man, hockey. It's, it's that time where I'm starting to watch it, and I'm actually excited to watch it. A lot of these games, they're close. The series, I mean, they damn near all went seven games, and it's good to see the hockey living up to its uh reputation for the reputation for the playoffs so oh yeah playoffs are always exciting for the nhl uh it obviously hasn't been a very exciting time for me in recent years uh my blackhawks falling hard from grace uh but again more moves being made uh fire sale this season to lock up draft capital for the next couple of years so Really excited to see what the Blackhawks do with it. We traded off a lot of even young talent uh, to secure some of these picks. But, uh, yeah, no, hockey, always always an exciting time in uh, in the playoffs. Strap up. It's only going to get better from here. Yeah, and you know what? I know you're not a fan of the NBA as much. You Like I said, you call them the, Char- the Charmin Basketball Association. Charmin Basketball Association, baby! But the playoffs have been pretty electric, in my opinion. Uh <laughs> You know, maybe I'm a little biased because now my team is. What you know, defines we were... electric, though? I mean, are they playing defense yet? Are they I are mean, they playing defense, Mark? The refs have been letting them play a little bit, but hey, the Warriors just went seven games with the uh, the young up up and coming Sacramento Kings, which I think they're a couple pieces away. Took them to seven games. They did they did beat them. So now we get Lakers and Warriors, which I think is going to be a great series. You get to see LeBron James play the Golden State Warriors for the fourth time. Um, I'm sorry, the fifth time. In the playoffs, you know, now the first time being in the Western Conference, the other times were the Cavaliers with Kyrie and Kevin Love, and then uh, even without Kyrie. Um, I've been pretty excited for that. The the Heat get to beat up on the Knicks. We just upset them now. But hopefully Jimmy playoffs is not hurt. He did sprain his ankle. Hopefully he can push through that. Uh, love love myself some Jimmy Buckets. Glad all three of the teams that had him before us kind of gave up on him. And um, 
you know, it's uh, it's up and now with all these well, the Bucks lost, so now all these teams have a shot. The, the Suns are playing the Nuggets, and the Celtics are playing the the Sixers. That's an old time rivalry with Boston and Philly. Mm. I'd love to see Philly upset Boston because I don't want to play Boston if we advance. So, just b- basketball and, and hockey, Doc. Just it's a good time right now. I think both playoffs are <laughs> pretty good, and baseball. It's it's been a couple weeks. Our like I said, we kind of start the show. Our teams are shit right now. I mean, we are have a winning record, but Judge Did had you see. The White Sox finished today. No, I didn't, but I wanted to touch up. I wanted to ask you about your your manager got ejected back to back days by the same umpire and uh, didn't get to see exactly what happened. I know one was a kind of like a I think it was a BS. No, I think it was a different game I saw, but one was I think a BS strike call or whatever. And yeah, your manager was kind of getting singled out by one umpire out there in that series. But no, what happened today, Doc, with Chicago? Uh, Chicago had the early lead. Um, Went down in the top of the eighth to Tampa Bay. Five runs in the top of the eighth to Tampa Bay. I'm watching this. I was helping a friend move today. Um, watching this game. Ready to throw my phone. I'm trying I'm trying to limit the, the cussing here. All right. But ready to throw my phone into the lake. Uh, only to watch Tampa Bay score two more in the top of the ninth. And watch my White Sox walk it off a seven-run bottom of the ninth inning, capped off by a three-run moonshot by my man Andrew Vaughn. Huge win. It's like it. I don't even know how to put it into words. If the team could just stay healthy, because Luis Robert now is down on injury after not telling Griffel about the uh, hamstring issue that he was dealing with. Got tight uh, earlier today, I think, yesterday. Yesterday he was tight. They pulled him uh, for a second at bat. They pinch hit for him. Um, Wasn't he the one that uh, had that little slow dribbler and decided to lightly jog to first base when he could have Yeah, so he had the yeah. tight hamstring. There was a lot of controversy because, you know, not running it out. And, you know, he'd have been safe had he run it out. But that's not Lou Bob. That's not Lou Bob. That's not how he plays. He runs it out. This is one of the guys that – you could tell him to take it easy. They told him to take it easy. He don't. He he's not going to take it easy. He even said uh, after the game in the post game presser, uh, he even said, you know, I knew that I was tight. I was going to come and I wasn't going to give it everything if I didn't need to, unless the game was on the line. And then here we are to open up the frame and and a little dribbler, you know, and he's trying to run it out. So uh, this is a guy that it does not matter. He puts it all on the line. He is a true gritty, just all heart player. Um, but he's down now. Anderson Salmancada's out. Uh, Garrett Crochet should be making his way back soon from Tommy Johnny starting rehab assignment. Uh, it just makes you wonder how good this team would be with everybody back and healthy and able to stay off um, the injured list. But, you know, right now I think our biggest problem is pitching. Uh, we've got a huge problem in the bullpen, uh, even even at the front of the the front of the, you know, rotation is still still been tough. But Liam should be coming back here soon. I believe he's supposed to be getting started on rehab. He is. Done with chemo from his non-Hodgkin, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So, congratulations to, to Liam. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was so happy to see him ring that bell. Congratulations, Liam, and his family. I can't imagine what it was like going through that. Uh, extremely difficult. Um, but real real glad to see him come out on top. Of that. Not just for the game of baseball, but just for him. Just an all-around, just a classy guy. It's. I mean, it's good when anybody – I mean, not just sports, but – when they can go through cancer, go through anything they're going through and beat that, like when Rivera, like when Ron Rivera went through that with the commanders and you saw mm. him ring the bell out there, you know, mm. just great to see. It's good to see, even if you don't like the person, you know, so like heartwarming, dude. Yeah. It's, it's awesome to see. And I, I kind of want to end one thing on the white Sox. 
I did see yesterday y'all had a no hitter going through seven, and then the Rays just put up a ten a ten bomb on you guys. You know, ten that, runs in the seventh inning. Yeah, that, I mean, if you could sum up uh, our season thus far with the talent that we have, the predictions that were made, where we've kind of been the last couple of years uh, as we've been building and progressing forward, and kind of where we're expected to finish, that ten run inning is the perfect way. You know, when you when you match it with the no hitter going into the seventh and that is the outcome that is the best way to describe what we're going through on the south side right now yeah and you know doc like i said earlier it's just it's kind of been a down year for my uh for baseball for me you know it's good watching it but we are the last place team in the al east even though we all have a winning record baltimore and tampa are hot right now and you know, everyone, we're just struggling, and it's good to see teams like Pittsburgh, though, back up there. Um, and Milwaukee's still doing good, but they are the NL West, Arizona. Good to see them kind of back, back in there, and you know, it's good to see Houston struggle or not struggling, but not in first. Hopefully, Texas can keep going, and then you know, hopefully, our teams can bounce back and recover. You know, it's just for us to actually look forward to not just baseball, but at least October uh, for us. But like yeah, but I, said, I look forward to every game. I don't just wait for October. Oh yeah, no, 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 no doubt. I love watching Yankee baseball. I hate watching it right now, just because we suck, and that's something that we didn't expect to be. Um, we, I mean, especially Derek Cole. You know, he's he's back to being the AC he, he's supposed to be, and our offense is shit in the bed, and Judge is hurt. Hopefully, more to come with that. But like I said, Doc, pretty crazy week. I thought with sports, football mainly. Uh, football is going to start to die down a little bit just because the draft's over. But we will have a lot more football talk to go with. Uh, we're going to start projecting out our top 10 fantasy players in each position category. So that's going to be probably the next kind of series we do. We'll probably start with quarterback and work our way down. Maybe we'll do rookie rankings along with overall rankings just because like, it's going to be interesting to see, like I said, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, maybe Will Levis. And Anthony Richardson, I think he might be a good fantasy player just because he can run the ball. But I'm excited to see this draft class. I'm excited for football to be back. I'm excited that baseball and basketball and even hockey kind of tuned into that a lot more is uh, going on. And and hopefully time flies and we can get to preseason and training camp and we can start diving into deeper into football. I want to see these rookies in action. I want to see our teams in action. I want us to talk more about, you know, the actual weekly grind for football two times a week, hopefully is what we're going to push for. But that's what I'm excited for. Love that we got a video show now, not just audio. I'm glad we kind of got that fixed and we can get on YouTube and, you know, show our, our smiling faces and, uh, you know, even when we're down and out. But, Doc, excited as always, man. You know, I love it. Love the show. Love what we're doing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. A lot of fun to be here with you guys. Uh, again, wish Chris could have been here. Uh, but, you know, we understand why he's gone today. Another heartfelt congratulations to him, Chris. Uh, hope everything's going well for, for you guys out there. But always a pleasure to be here. Always a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, definitely. And – like Doc said, congratulations, Chris. We want to say that one more time. We want to hammer that. Like, just congratulations to you and your wife. You know, it's you guys made another miracle. So you guys have two. And like I said, that's and congratulations, just man. I love to see it. For myself, Doc, Chris, hopefully being back next episode, and hopefully Luke will join us very shortly. This is all about the balls podcast live from the sack house. Stay tuned for episode five coming up, hopefully later this week. I'm Mark Davis. Like I said, enjoy your night. We are out. Peace. Thank you for checking out another episode of All About the Balls podcast. We want to thank all of our listeners and supporters 
of the Sack House. You can listen to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at the Sack House.